On this episode of The Anthony Bradley Show, I'll be having a conversation with Mr. Chad Freck, the 2021 president of the Alpha Sig Fraternity at Clemson University. The motto of the Alpha Sig Fraternity is to better the man. And I'll be having a conversation with Chad Frick about how exactly they better the world through better men at Clemson. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Welcome to the Anthony Bradley Show. I am extremely excited again to have another uh, fantastic, extraordinary fraternity president, uh, Chad Frick. He was the president of the Alpha Sig Fraternity at Clemson University for the 2021 calendar year. And I'm thrilled to talk to him about fraternity life. As I've said before, I think fraternities are getting a pretty bad rap. And so I wanted to talk to guys who are in fraternity to see what it's like, you know, as I work on this project for the book, Heroic Masculinity. So thank you again for joining us for this episode. And Chad Frick, welcome to the Anthony Bradley Show. Thank you for having me, Dr. Brad. So tell us where, where you're from. Where'd you so, grow up? And I grew up. What are you majoring in all that kind of stuff? I grew up in Gaithersburg, Maryland, which is in the greater D.C. area. I'm a business management major with a minor in history. I'm sure you're going to ask future plans. Everyone always asks future plans. No specifics about my job right now, but, um, you know, you were telling me about New York City. It seems like a fun place to live, so I might be going there after college. Absolutely. Come on up. There's a lot of Clemson alums up here. The Clemson Alumni Club on Saturdays for football watches anywhere from like 300 to 400 people. So if you come up, you'll be well received by the Clemson family up here. So you grew up in Maryland. I don't know how popular Clemson is up there. What initially drew you to the to the campus? So. When I was a sophomore in high school, that was the year that Hunter Renfro had that game winner against Alabama. And that kind of put it on my radar. You know, I love an underdog story, and I think we all do. And I just kind of wanted to be an underdog. And I guess I associated Clemson with underdogs. And then also, senior year, I was like thinking like where I should go, where I should apply. I was driving home from school, and a Jimmy Buffett song came on. It was called Boat Drinks. I don't know if you heard it. But anyway, the song ends with Jimmy Buffett saying, I got to go where it's warm. And I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should go south for school. And then I wanted a school that was both academically challenging and social. So that there was a balance between having fun and being productive. And I think Clemson offers that better than any other school in the country. Came and did a college visit, me and my best boy from high school, Jake Whitman. And, you know, we just, um, I'm sure you've heard Dr. Bradley, Joe Sherman went to Clemson. He was, you've heard the Something in These Hills poem. So basically what he's saying is there's something in these hills that draws people here. It's just a magnetic pull. Clemson and we just both felt that I felt that and that's why I came to Clemson it was the only school I did an official visit on I was like all right this is it and I'm gonna come here if I get in I didn't even visit Clemson I just went I just saw the brochures in the picture and I was like I'll just I'll just go so I was sold on the brochures alone when you're in high school were you thinking about joining a fraternity when did fraternities kind of come on the radar for you I mean is it something that when you were in middle school, you're like, I want to do this. Or was it your senior year? Or when did it sort of become a, an aspiration for college? So yeah, I was 100% not going to join a fraternity. Never once considered it. It was an easy no. And that's because I only heard like the bad parts. Um, you know, those extreme outlier stories about ridiculous groups of kids who don't really represent the whole group. And the only reason I never heard or understood the benefits of fraternity is because I'd never known anyone in one. I think another reason I might have been reluctant, you know, is that I understood the stereotype surrounding people with the name Chad. 
right? I'm sure you've heard. Yes, sir. And, uh, <laughs> I am sorry. Your name is Chad. No, it's all right. And um, I think I was perhaps reluctant to fall into, you know, this trap. And I rebelled so openly against the idea of fraternity because I didn't want to be stereotypical Chad. But like you asked, you know, when did I decide that I did want to join fraternity? What changed my mind? Like I mentioned, my boy, Jake Whitman, we came and visited Clemson. He was my roommate. He knew that he was going to join one. And I was like, no, there's no way. And um, basically, he talked me into it. And he was like, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't. I can get into it a little more later. There's another funny story about why I did it. But basically, he behind the SO Club, he was like, you're going to love it. You're going to regret not doing it. And he turned out to be right. So you said that you had not known anyone who was in one. Uh, your parents, was your mom and your dad, they weren't in Greek life? That's right. They went to um, Providence College in Rhode Island. So it's a Catholic private school. They didn't have Greek life there. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And one of the great benefits of, of Greek life, particularly at fraternity life, and I'd say especially at Clemson, is the friendships that you make. And, and one of the things I think sets Clemson apart is that, you know, you're not going to meet an alumni who didn't have a good time and didn't make really, really good friends. You've been in the fraternity now for a few years, and I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your experience with your friendships. You might maybe compare them with the ones that you had in high school. What's unique? What's special to you about, about the friends that you've made in Alpha Sig? To compare to the friends I had in high school, fortunately for me, I had pretty strong friendships in high school. But I think the main difference was that in high school, I had probably five best friends and then maybe like 20 or 25 guys who I was close with outside of those, those like core five. Well, at Alpha Sig, you know, the difference is just the scale. I have 100 best friends here. I mean, I feel this level of closeness with 100 guys that I did with my best friends in high school. I think the reason for that is um, when I was looking at it from the back end as someone who, you know, served on the executive board with a bunch of my pledge brothers, we're all succeeding and currently like progressing toward a common goal together. And that goal being improving the fraternity. And I think that that's what binds us together because we're all on the same path. Whereas in high school, you know, there are certain guys, they were your friends, but they want to do certain things. But here, all working towards a common goal really unites us. That's really brilliant. I think that's one of the things that most certainly forges men's friendships, relationships, is having a common goal, doing it together, struggling together, succeeding together, failing together, doing it together. And, and Greek life does provide an opportunity that, for, for that. And also, I think it's true that because fraternities have specific cultures and missions and they have goals and they have activities, things that they want to accomplish, that gives the guys a reason to want to work together and to bind together and to move towards the things that are, that are good together. So your name is Chad. You're a frat boy, right? The sort of stereotype. You're like frat Chad, which might be the worst combination of stereotypes. And so you're in a fraternity and people are like, well, this is probably a terrible thing. He's probably a terrible person. And the longer he's in, he's going to become more like a stereotype. And how would you explain why fraternities are even good? I mean, the stereotype, right, is that there are a bunch of misogynists, uh, right. misogynistic, drunkards who are just reckless and do nothing but party and make other people's lives miserable. But for you, you've had a different experience. And I'm wondering if, if you can explain what is it about fraternities? And you may even make it specific to Alpha Sig if you like, that might help someone rethink the fact that fraternities can be actually good things. So 
if you know someone in a fraternity who is a terrible person, that guy was a terrible person before joining the fraternity, and the fraternity didn't make him that way. But, however, there are fraternities that, you know, harbor and allow that kind of behavior. Those fraternities are the problem, because if that behavior is condoned, then it's allowed to grow. Now you hear about, you know, the fraternities that you hear about probably in the news causing trouble with the, the loud mouths, you know, like hedonistic, you know, alcohol-fueled. And you only hear about them because they tend to be the most arrogant, the most obnoxious, and the loudest, and most in your face. And I'll assure, you know, anyone listening, and I'm sure you know, Dr. Bradley, that those fraternities are the outliers. And in politics, they talk about the silent majority, and the silent majority of Greek life are just people looking for a social group that they can be a part of and grow themselves in. And then what was the, the second part of the question? How would you explain why being a part of, of Greek life is good for a man during his, during his college career? For those who don't know, Dr. Bradley is writing a book titled Heroic Masculinity, which is a great phrase. Did you come up with that phrase? I did not. I want to claim that I did, but I most certainly certainly did not. It's, it's been floating around for a couple of years. Okay. I like it. I'm, I'm using it all the time now. But I think well-run fraternities promote heroic masculinity. And what I mean by that is that a good, strong fraternity will provide young men, particularly freshmen and sophomores, with positive male role models who they can actually emulate and who are close in age and have lifestyle similarities with them. So, for instance, if your role model was JFK or Ronald Reagan or like The Rock, you might never be the president of the United States or a movie star. So what you learn from them or admire about them might not directly translate into your life as a college student. So, like I said, you might never be a movie star, but you will be a junior or senior in college one day. And it's helpful to have role models who are juniors and seniors in college. And the reason I say that is because when I was a freshman, there were older brothers in the fraternity that you know, I looked up to, well-respected, well-spoken, carried themselves well, you know, accomplished great feats in a, little, a short amount of time, uh, guys with lofty goals, you know, guys who want to save the world, everyone loves them. And that was kind of who I wanted to become. And the fraternity allowed me to learn firsthand from that person you know, in a casual setting just by observing and interacting with them. And that's one of the many reasons that I believe fraternities are good, because they promote heroic masculinity. I think it's a great context for guys to learn how to use their presence and their strengths for the benefit of their brothers. And then secondly, for the benefit of people around them, including people on their campus, but also in the community at large. And I think it's a great place for guys to start to hone those skills, because when you graduate, you become an employee, you get married, you have kids. This is basically what it means to be a man. Uh, you're going to be the kind of person who uses your strengths and, and presence for the benefit of others. And the Greek life is just an absolutely wonderful place to start to live sacrificially for others. And you're absolutely right about, about the D-bags being that way before they pledge, right? I mean, this idea that fraternities turn guys into bad guys is just kind of insane. They're bad guys who self-select in the fraternities because they know there's some frats that will facilitate and encourage them to be the terrible people they were already. That's an absolutely a brilliant point that you that you made there. Now, there, there'll be some people on the who are listening to this who are completely unfamiliar with the rush and the, the pledge process. They've probably seen some movies, heard some news stories about how terrible it is. Can you explain how someone goes from that first informational meeting to becoming a brother for you all at Alpha Sig? 
the rush process is pretty much the same for all IFC20s at Clemson. Um, they'll register for rush, and then we have a large event at Tiger Park, which is like a relatively flat, grassy area here in Clemson uh, called Smokers. And at Smokers, fraternities will bring their tents, which are large, like open-sided pavilion-style tents. Pretty large. Ours is 20 foot by 30 foot, which is like the standard. Some are bigger and smaller. But they'll go set those up. We'll all go set those up at Tiger Park. And then rushies or potential new members um, will come in, freshmen and sophomores, and just meet the fraternities, you know, walk around, get to know a bunch of guys. And then based on the fraternity liking them, we will then vote later that day if we want to send them to our first round. And first round would be, we usually do it at our fraternity house, but some do it at a bar. It's a smaller group of people because it gets more selective as you go on. And then after first round is final round. And then after final round, they get voted on if they believe they deserve a bid or not. And if they do get a bid, it's up to them to decide if they want to accept it or if they want to accept a different fraternity's bid. And that's just how rushing works formally for IFC fraternities. And then you ask how pledging works at, um, I believe it's nationally, like every fraternity's nationals, the pledge process cannot extend greater than eight weeks. So we are done here before eight weeks, all fraternities here. And um, the pledge process, you know, I'd like to address isn't the way it looks in Animal House where like you have to drink this handle or I won't like you and respect you. So I actually, I don't know if you knew this, Dr. Bradley, I don't drink alcohol at all. So I wasn't ever forced to because. What year are you at Clemson? I'm a junior. You're a junior and you don't drink at all? I don't drink at all. Correct. How did you do that? How do you survive being a college student at Clemson University? Some would call it a party school, although it's not. We have a great football program, which is true. There's tailgating on the weekends. People started going out on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You recover on Monday. You plan it again on, sorry, you recover on Sunday. Then you plan again. You plan it all again on Monday and Tuesday. Finalize plans on Wednesday, and then it starts over again. Tell us how you were able to navigate not drinking. I do everything. Like, I live the lifestyle of a social, you know, college drinker. I do everything except the actual consumption of the alcohol. You know, I'm the only person I know here at Clemson who doesn't drink alcohol. It's just a choice that I made, and I, you know, it was strong. And I mean, like, strong and firm in my resolve, and I believe that the choice is right for me. So, I mean, I don't really have a problem. I get, like, guys at downtown will be like, oh, you don't drink? And I'm just like, yeah. And, like, that's just part of it. Just being confident in that decision is the way that I was able to get this far doing it. Like I said, I do everything except the actual drinking of the alcohol. And I think that that's why I was able to get so far. And so you were saying that in the pledge process, you guys, you know, it's not like Animal House. There's no forcing to drink a handle of this or that in order to be liked and, and accepted. How else would you describe the pledge culture there? What a lot of fraternities do here is they uh, have the pledges meet all the brothers. So they either do that through like an interview setting. It's usually an interview setting. At least that's what we do. So we have brothers schedule a time to meet with brothers. They'll sit down with them. They'll learn the name, hometown. And then there'll be a couple serious questions like, you know, your goals for after college, who your role model, stuff like that. And guys can kind of pick and choose their serious questions. And it serves two purposes. The first is that now a pledge or brother should never be nervous in an interview, professional interview, because they've done a hundred of them, as well as they get, get to know the brothers. And it'd be easy for, you know, a brother who doesn't come around, you know, to never, to not come around for those eight weeks and then never meet one of his, you know, future brothers. And this kind of serves a purpose of allowing everyone to meet all the brothers.
So you went through the process. What year were you at Clemson when you started? When you, when you pledged? Fall 2019. And you were on the field. You were visiting, I'm sure, a few fraternity tents, getting to know a few guys. What was it about Alpha Sig that made you say, you know what? I think I want to, I really think I want to be with these guys. The football season started before Rush my freshman year. So I knew one, well, I, I mentioned before that I hadn't known anyone in the fraternity. I had known someone in the fraternity, but I never knew he was in a fraternity and I hadn't seen him since high school. So I come to Clemson and he's like, hey, you know, come by my fraternity's tailgate. So go to this tailgate, meet a lot of people, shake a lot of hands, doing like the awkward, like handshake dap mix up, kind of awkward at first. And, you know, basically everyone there are from two separate fraternities. So I'm trying to figure out who's an Alpha Sig, who is not. And then I end up sitting next to this guy. His name is Jake Edwards. And he was a senior while I was a freshman. And just to paint the picture, our tent is up in this backyard behind the SL Club on Oak Street. So it's a red tent. So there's like a red, like, hint of everything. Really hot that day. Jake Edwards, he's smoking a cigarette in the, towards the back of the tailgate. And, you know, somehow I end up talking to him and we're sitting together on this bar. And, you know, he, he starts asking me what I'm interested in, like what I'm looking for in a fraternity. I'm like, you know what? I'm not really sure. Wasn't even thinking about rushing one. Basically, the way that Jake Edwards portrays himself to me, that he's just the luckiest man in the world, that Alpha Sig chose him. That, you know, he, like, he doesn't belong there, but he's glad to be there. And I thought this was interesting. And then, you know, we get into talk. We start talking, somehow start talking politics. He tells me that he, last summer, the, the previous summer, had worked for Senator Tim Scott in the U.S. Senate and uh, that he got that job throughout Alva Sig. And he's like, now I want you to look at me. And, uh, you know, I've been looking at him the whole time. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm a big, bumbly, clumsy guy, you know, got bad facial hair, kind of balding. Look what Alva Sig did for me. Imagine what it can do for you. And I was like, wow, okay, that's, I guess that's exactly what I needed. So that was like the catalyst. I was like, damn, I guess I have to rush Alva Sig. And Jake Edwards knows that story. He's comfortable with me telling that story. So I hope it doesn't embarrass him too much if you're listening, Jake. So he sort of painted this picture for you. That was like, hey, not only do I have nothing to lose, I have a lot to gain uh, by, being, by being with these guys. And, and you're looking at and you're like, hey, if, if this guy can benefit from this, from this community, then so can I. What are some things, I mean, you were the president for a year, and I'm wondering if there's some things that are distinctive about being an Alpha Sig at Clemson that really kind of signified and drew you to wanting to be president specifically. What, what is it about the culture, the values, whatever, about your particular chapter that, that stands out to you? What I would say, how I would describe our guys is fun-loving, but guys who still care about their future, so they're not going to throw away their future or their potential or their opportunities for some um, four-year-long vendor, four-year-long party, or whatever it might be. Our value proposition, our competitive advantages, aside from just like the integrity and authenticity of our brothers, is we, we talk about geographic diversity, talk about campus and community involvement, leadership, and then a culture of continuous self-improvement. So get into geographic diversity. What I'd like to say is that, you know, if you started in Massachusetts, you drove all the way down the East Coast to Georgia, if your car broke down, you got a flat tire at any point on the ride, there would always be a brother within an hour that would pick you up, both meaning that they'd be close enough to do it and that they'd be willing to do it because of your brother. And then we also have guys in the Midwest, guys in Wyoming, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio. Yeah, we talk about that a lot, our geographic diversity. And the reason for that is because some fraternities here at Clemson, strictly Northern, strictly Southern, you know, strictly DMV, whatever it might be. But we like to have a bunch of different people so we can have diversity of thought. 
and all that. Um, meet, you know, that's what college is all about is meeting new people. And then we also talk about campus and community involvement, particularly on campus, we're pretty involved in student government. Um, last year, we pulled off the Alpha Sig 3P. So the student body president, Jonathan Gandana, he was, was an Alpha Sig. The year before, Andrew Kwasney was an Alpha Sig, vice, student body vice president. And then the year before him was Mason Foley, student body president, also an Alpha Sig. That was what we were looking to pull off and we, we accomplished that. Community involvement as well. We um, sponsored 12 Mile Park, which is you know, public park here in Clemson. Uh, we clean it every Sunday just to keep it, you know, looking natural and beautiful. It was like trash, you know, floating in the, the lake and on the lakeside. And we just pick it up, make sure that, you know, there's no evidence of people ever having been there. And then also leadership, just in every realm, being in Alpha State has kind of been a masterclass in leadership. And what I tell potential rush is that if they want to become a leader and they think they're not there yet, or if they believe they are and they want to improve, Joining Alpha Sig will really help you because you get to learn from some of the best leaders on campus. And then the last thing, I'd say a, the culture of self-improvement. We always, you know, send in, in our group chat that graph emoji where it's trending upward. I guess I get into a little middle, little more. One of the stories, um, I guess I'll tell Peyton Griffin. He's a brother in my pledge class. He's an incredible speaker and a very impressive individual. He's, a, you know, just a guy I'm proud to call my friend and brother. He actually... He was asked by President Clements' son to travel around the United States, go to high schools, and be a recruiter for the football team. And he actually turned that down. And he couldn't give me a good explanation, but that's just how you know impressive he is. We were doing our final round of Rush at the Skybox, which is our fraternity house. And we obviously sent Peyton up to give a speech, try to give these guys the persuasive hard sell. And we know that he's good at it because... You know, he's a great speaker. He basically said what I just told you about, you know, geographic diversity, what sets us apart from others. And then, you know, he gives a whole speech. All, everyone loves it. We're all clapping. Rushies are all clapping. And then he turns away from this little stage we had set up. And then he, he runs, like, he, like, forgets. He comes back and he goes, and we throw bangers. And the reason that I thought that was important, that that was funny, is because that was an afterthought for us at Alpha Sig. And I feel like that is what really distinguishes us. You know, if you go through Rush, Obviously, you want to party. Obviously, you want to meet girls, you know, have a good time with your friends at college. And we do that. We definitely do that, like you said, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then the rest of the week is spent planning Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But that's not the most important thing to us. And I believe that's what makes us distinctive. Like I said, the balance between having a ton of fun and self-improvement. If people are listening, they're hearing you say the word brotherhood over and over and over again. Brothers are brothers are brothers. What does brotherhood mean for you all? I think it means, well, since I mentioned Peyton Griffin, I'm going to keep bragging about him, tell another story about him. Last year, I didn't have a car here at Clemson, and uh, Peyton Griffin did. Actually, a lot of places that you'd want to go in Clemson. I'm going to pull it up on my phone right now. I have a note, like from the notes app, of rides that I owe Peyton because he has driven me around so many times sophomore year. So I'm at 16 right now. I think I was at 21, and I paid him back five times. I gave him five rides. Yeah, but we're at 16. And, you know, that's just one example of what it means to be a brother. This guy picked me up 16 different times to take me where I wanted to go, even when he didn't have to go there. I guess another good example would be Alex Murtha, who was an older brother. He was a senior when I was a freshman. Didn't have to get involved with me. Like, didn't have to know the freshman. Had a job like lined up for after college. Could have just not met any of us, not cared about any of us. But instead he did. He decided to meet all of us. And he's a pretty good guitar player. I'm going to plug his band on Spotify right now. It's called Right. R-J-G-H-T. And 
I told him, I'm like, hey, I want to learn guitar. I'm not very good. You know, I have a basic understanding, but I don't know any music theory. And he would FaceTime me every Sunday, even after he graduated, just to teach me music theory with his busy, you know, rocket science NASA job in Huntsville, Alabama. Those are two examples I could keep going, and I will if you want me to, but it's just guys that care about each other and want each other to succeed the way that you would want, you know, your biological brother to succeed. You want to like promote, you know, your family. And these guys are our family. When guys come in and Alpha Sig, they know I'm becoming a part of a new family. These aren't just some casual friends. These guys are going to invest in me and they want what's best for me. And they're going to, and, they, and they're, they're going to be willing to sacrifice themselves for me, right? Their time, their talent, their treasure, because they want what's best for me. And we're going to do that for each other. So again, I, I think it's a, such an important aspect of fraternity life and Greek life in particular that you don't really see depicted too much of the media. I guess that kind of stuff doesn't make the news. It's not too sexy to have this kind of brotherly love depicted as this normal in Greek life. So you talked a little bit about, about some of the, the mission, the vision, sort of the values. There's something I read on the national website that you all are a values-driven fraternity. What does that mean for you? Why do you think it's important to have values drive the fraternity culture rather than the kind of things that people are used to seeing in like Animal House or some uh, silly Zac Efron movie? Yeah, I mean, I think you really need a direction and a destination to be able to end up where you want to go. Um, and the values kind of provide that direction. And because we have values, we're able, we're able to understand the direction we want to go. They kind of form and shape. I mean, I think all fraternities have values. Some of them are explicit. Some of them are implicit, meaning some of the values are bad values. The values are, we're going to define our masculinity by doing stupid things, taking advantage of X, Y, and Z, maybe being irresponsible. Those are our values, right? Yeah. I'm following about 1,900 fraternities on Instagram, and guys are posting pictures, what they value. I don't think they realize what they're showing the world, but their values are, are out there. And so if you all are using the values of your national office to drive your culture, it's just going to be from A to Z, just a, a wonderful place to be. One of the ones that I saw on the website from the National Fraternity is silence as a value. What is that and how does that look for you guys? That's our first value. And it's kind of might seem ironic that I'm on a podcast talking about silence. When you ask what we mean by this, the Brotherhood asks us, and there's a quote, to develop the strength to embrace silence. So strength is emphasized, implying that strength is required to embrace silence. What I mean by mentioning that is that embodying the idea of silence is difficult and it does require strength. You know, it's easier to just run your mouth, say whatever you want talk trash, belittle others, whatever it might be, than to be silent. But the value of silence leads a brother to be more intentional with everything that he's saying. And, um, I, you know, I, I like that quote. I think it was Plato who said it, that wise men speak. They have something to say. Fools speak because they have to say something. And, you know, the values are also open for some level of interpreta personal interpretation. Some people believe that the less you speak, the more powerful your voice is. You know, there's chaos going on in a room. They're probably going to look to whoever's, you know, sitting confidently, silently, like, what do you think? And they'll ask his opinion. And what is interesting about silence is that it's kind of the opposite of what you expect fraternities to be promoting, because fraternities are kind of associated with noise, loud music, with yelling, with chanting. But embodying and respecting the value of silence kind of calls a brother to be introspective, be reflective, 
a certain degree of self-reliance and independence, you know, when you're not sharing absolutely everything about you to everyone all the time. And um, silence is also just being conscientious about what you say. Yeah. And so for someone who's, who's pledging Alpha Sig and they hear silence and they're like, well, what, what does that actually look like day to day? How do you all practice that? How do you apply it? What does that look like? Like I spoke a little bit about how being in Alpha Sig will make you a better leader. I think, you know, part of what good leaders have in common is that they're usually great orators. They're good at speaking. And, you know, it's just a social advantage to be able to know when to use silence and know when to use your voice. And that's something that pledges learn pretty early on. Is it ever the case that an older brother will help a younger brother be silent? Like, dude, chill out. You know, are there situations where the older brothers are going to help cultivate the practice of silence by helping the, the younger brothers know when to speak and when not to speak? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's like, yeah, dude, you're running your mouth right now. Like you might, you know, whatever. You're, you're going to get in a fight. You keep talking like stuff like that. There's no reason to, to keep going for this long. Like I said, it's hard. I mean, if I guess to go with that fight example, if like someone's talking trash to you, your instinct is to talk back, but you might end up in trouble and like, you know, get in the fight and whatever, get arrested, whatever it might be. It's more difficult to say nothing than it is to say something. You know, the older brothers kind of have that responsibility to be like, hey, calm down. You know, you have to be stronger than whatever this guy is telling you. Yeah, that's a fantastic value. And I think if I mean, you know, it's possible someone could argue that's one thing we may need more in our culture, period, is more silent. So the fact that you guys are cultivating that that skill for the brothers is going to serve them so well, not only in their Greek life, but for in years to come. Uh, and it's, it's just really extraordinary that you, that you all are helping each other begin to, to cultivate that. When you're silent, you have more time to listen. When you're talking, you can't listen. So it obviously makes our guys better listeners and everyone loves a good listener as well as there's that i think it's albert einstein the quote the world will not be destroyed by those who do evil but those who watch them without saying anything and that's not really us that's not what we mean by silence we mean just don't say anything ridiculous like there's no reason to talk you know just for the sake of talking um, but this shouldn't be confused with you know looking on as a bystander not using your voice when you need to another value that I saw on the national website is purity. And my guess is that people will most definitely not associate Greek life with that word. What is what does purity mean in the culture there at, at Alpha Sig? So yeah, one of the one of the quotes that we're told from the Trinity is that brothers should consistently strive for, strive for purity of mind, body, and soul. And that's kind of, you know, I kind of give that one like the way I interpret it, a modern interpretation. There's a lot of, I guess, mental, moral, spiritual pollution out there i'd say so like you know social media is an obvious one you can pollute your mind with these kind of things or you can you know have a pure mind where you're reflective and you use your own thoughts and you come to your own opinions and you don't allow others to influence them negatively i'd say somebody's pure mind is someone who knows the direction that they are headed and using that mindset puts himself in the best situation to get there and so someone who is exercising the value or the, or the virtue of purity is actually making good decisions, right, that, that allow them to move forward in a way that, again, benefits other people. And so it's, it's not self-seeking. It's not self-aggrandizing. It's not based on, like you said, so much of the polluting values that makes it overly selfish, 
right? But sort of to, you know, push through, not being afraid of failure, right? Owning failure, taking responsibility. I mean, those are the sorts of things that really do allow a man to become a gentleman and to be someone of, of influence for the good. You also mentioned honor, and that's, mm-hmm. that's something that you, you mentioned a few moments ago. And that word can mean lots of things for, for lots of people. But for Alpha Sig in particular, what does it mean that you guys are producing men who are honorable? I mean, I guess you want to tell guys, hey, you will be a more honorable man when you leave Alpha Sig than you were when you came in. And that's something that our culture at Alpha Sig is, is going to cultivate. What does that mean for you all? So we believe that every action should be governed with a high sense of honor. So everything you do, you know, you should never really be, you know, anything slimy, nothing like that. You should always be thinking of this value and understanding the importance of it. So I guess I would describe a man of honor the way that we see it is someone with personal integrity and the type of guy who, when he says he's going to do something, that means he's going to do it. I feel like personal integrity would be a pretty easy trait to associate with heroic masculinity because there seems to be a lack of integrity. You know, if you watch the news, whatever side you agree with, you can see a lack of integrity on both sides in politics and, you know, the business world, whatever it might be. That's something that the world needs more of is personal integrity. And an honorable man is also someone who lives up to the promises that he's made to himself and others. Like I said, if he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And like you mentioned, you know, sacrificing on behalf of, you know, others. A quote that one of my brothers recently told me is non nobis solum. I think it's Greek because Cicero said it, but could be Latin, Roman, uh, whatever it is. It means not for ourselves alone. And I believe that someone with honor understands that they're not here for themselves alone. Their personal honor does matter, but they also have to honor those who went before them and those who will come after them. The fraternity that gave them the platform and this ability to succeed and the opportunities is given them. Um, so a man of honor is just someone who's ethical honest, trustworthy, and has a great deal of personal integrity. And how do you all push each other to be honorable in your fraternity? Is there anything you can think of, anything specific? Here's an example of us really encouraging each other to be honorable men. Anything come to mind? Yeah, but like I kind of mentioned silence, it's just on every brother to hold every other brother accountable. Yeah, so you all are, are actually willing to confront each other. Right. Which takes a lot of courage. I mean, to confront someone because they're not upholding the values is actually a way of loving them well. And it's also a way of signaling that you want to make them better. And if you guys are willing to confront each other on these values and that just demonstrates that they're important values. Right. There's no point in having values and not actually calling your brothers to them and using situations that come up as opportunities to point to the values and say, hey, we're a brotherhood that celebrates honor. What you did was dishonorable. Let's talk about, you know, what's going on and how can we be, be better together? So I think Alpha Sig, you know, you all saying that you're, you're values driven and that being something that integral to your culture, it just makes the whole experience better. And really in one sense, also that's a guarantee, the promise that you make that they will be better men when they leave will, will actually actually come to, come to pass. You know, I've, I've seen on, on Instagram the map that you guys have of where everybody is from, this sort of geographic diversity, which for a, a fraternity at a college in the South is pretty unique. I mean, there are fraternities that, that tend to be kind of geographically 
uh, organized and, and for you all to intentionally want a geographical diversity intentionally, I think is really, really impressive. Can you give us an image of the advantages of, of that? What does that kind of diversity add to the brotherhood that you'll have? But first, I want to say something, since you used the word intentionally, we're not necessarily like, oh, this kid is from a state that we don't know anyone from yet. Let's give him a bid. It happens pretty naturally. And it's just that people mm. from different areas happen to like the brotherhood and um, are willing to join. So, you know, we're not like, oh, this kid's from Chicago. We don't have a Chicago kid yet. Let's get him in here. It's more like, no, this kid likes us. We like him. He's a good individual. doesn't really matter where he's from. We're going to bring him in if we think that he can do a good job and promote this fraternity. It's not that you have a map out and you're like, hey, we need someone from Texas. It just mm -hmm. so happens that people from different parts of the country are drawn to Alpha Sig after they meet That's the right. brothers and yes. they want to pledge. They want to be a part of the community. So um, you asked, how does geographic diversity benefit the brotherhood? The reason I think is because the diversity of thought that it exposes brothers to, as well as the opportunity that it provides each of us. So for instance, if I had come to Clemson, joined a fraternity of only Maryland kids or only DMV area kids, only kids from North of South Carolina, I would have had many less perspectives to hear since we all live similar lifestyles, would have gotten in, you know, less disagreements and learned a lot less. But because of Alpha Sig, you know, I know someone from Wyoming. I know someone in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Illinois, Michigan, Boston. And I could have probably gone my whole life without meeting anyone from, you know, wherever, the Midwest, uh, Wyoming. But now I have friends there and it gives me a reason to go there and see other parts of the country, which... Is something that, you know, I've always wanted to do and I have an excuse to do it. As well as, um, like I mentioned, the opportunities that it provides us. I'd never even heard of this, the city of, of Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, I knew about Raleigh, Durham, Wilmington. But there are so many guys in our fraternity from Charlotte. I went and visited Charlotte and loved it. And it's a place that I could see myself going and living after college. You know, I wouldn't have had that opportunity had I not known someone from North Carolina who had lived there. The diversity exposes you to a diversity of ideas, people, places, and things like that, which has a way of, of forcing uh, you to confront things that you may not have had to confront. I mean, people have different experiences and different backgrounds. And when you're not homogenous, it actually has a way of, of sharpening you. It actually gives you a greater imagination for yourself and the future and things like that. So that you guys have in that that level of, of geographic diversity is a major asset, I think. And you all, again, helping to prepare uh, men for the real world. I mean, think about the benefit, right? If they're immersed in a culture that has geographic diversity in college, when they graduate and if they don't, you know, sort of stay in South Carolina, they're probably going to end up having to be in a workplace with people from all over the world That's right. anyway, right? They come to New York, they come to Charlotte, they come to Atlanta. And knowing how to be with different kinds of people and having practiced that for years with you guys is, is, is going to put them way, way ahead of the rest. So that's, that's super, super awesome. Of course, yeah. And then another thing I'd like to add about it is that you mentioned that, you know, it's important to be in a group that isn't homogenous. And a reason for that is because it kind of promotes you identifying yourself as an individual and proving yourself as an individual. So you can't just be, you know, a DMV kid from for forever, a Southern kid from forever, Northern kid for forever. You have to really distinguish yourself as an individual. And I believe that having people who are unlike you, it kind of does that already because you're like, hey, I mentioned the kid from Wyoming, James King. We have one kid from Wyoming. So yes, it's cool that he's from Wyoming, but, you know, he also has to distinguish who he is as something beyond that. We sort of mentioned this 
in, in the beginning a little bit. Why do you think fraternities just consistently continue to get such a bad rap? There's this kind of, when people hear the word, they almost always associate with something bad and negative. Why do you think that that continues? Right. I think I understand why the reason, the primary reason would probably be the media. So we mentioned Animal House, you know, it's just a bunch of raucous guys trying to like one up the administration. Movies like American Pie, stuff like that. I also think that people sometimes are looking for someone to get mad at or like to assign blame to. And pretty easy target is what is perceived to be a bunch of, you know, daddy's money, pretty boys, gel in their hair, carefree, like living carefree lives and then not having to worry about it because they don't have to catch up to them. And I feel like it's it's easy to be envious of people like that. And I definitely understand that. But once again, guys like that are the outliers. And as I mentioned, the silent majority before, uh, they don't make up the silent majority. So I'd say the media and then the, the few loud in your face people that you, you do see problematically enforcing that stereotype or reinforcing that stereotype. You were the president for a year and basically you were in charge of cultivating, I guess, the brand, right? The reputation. You were overseeing that, that, that reputation. When a student hears the phrase Alpha Sig at Clemson, did you want your fraternity to be known for? What did you want the stereotype to be? What sorts of things did you want people at Clemson to associate when they heard, oh yeah, this guy's an Alpha Sig? Well, what, what currently happens, what I love when it happens is, you know, if I mention to someone or someone asks and I tell them that I'm an alpha sig, they're like, oh, do you know this person, right? Like a brother who is in it. And they're excited that I also know them. And it's funny because obviously we all know each other. So it's always a yes, I know them. I guess if you think of the Clemson football team, maybe you'll associate it with success, but more likely you'll probably think of a good memory that you had at a football game or, you know, watching it. And what I really want with Alpha Sig is that when someone hears the name Alpha Sig or meets someone who is an Alpha Sig, that they can tell a story and share a good memory that they have about Alpha Sig. When they come in contact with a brother in Alpha Sig, they're going to have a positive experience, a memorable experience, right? It's not that you want to be just sort of good men. You want to be memorable men, right? So that people are able to situate what you guys are doing and a narrative. I think that's a, a wonderful way to think about building building your, your reputation to have, have someone be able to tell a story about you guys. So you were president and you were up in front, I'm sure, a couple of times during the, the informational meetings, maybe pledge process, and you want to give like the pitch, like why should you pledge Alpha Sig? What is that pitch? And then secondly, like what kind of guys are you all looking for? So, yeah, I think I've been giving the pitch the whole podcast, honestly. But it's just that those four competitive advantages, like I said, geographic diversity, community and campus involvement, leadership, and a culture of self-improvement. The type of guys that we're looking for, if you are ambitious, let's say courageous, a young man that's interested and committed to developing himself and self-improvement, then you should definitely join Alpha Sig because you're looking for us and we're looking for you. If you are a leader, I'd say, or you want to become one, Alpha Sig is definitely the place for you. And um, Dr. Brad, I want to make sure I say this right. We're looking for guys who give a damn. What I mean by that is that everyone thinks it's cool to not care. We want guys who care. and We want guys who give a damn about themselves, about us, about the school, about the community, about the country, about the world. And we want people who are going to make the world better. We have a lot of them here. And of course, we want to we want more. 
future leaders of America. That's what we're looking for. Young men who are looking to give more than they take. I think you, you nailed it, right? There's this weird sort of scenario right now in, in our culture where we're being passive and apathetic is somehow admirable, sitting around doing nothing. Uh, we're seeing this right now in, in the marketplace. There's a shortage of, of men who are working. There's like 3 million less, about 3 million less men in the workforce. Guys aren't even going to college anymore, those sorts of things. So the fact that you guys are saying, hey, no, we want guys who are not passive, they're active, right? They actually do care. They want to improve themselves. They want to be a part of a community to sharpen them. Man, bro, that's that's really that's really extraordinary. I just want to commend you all for having that kind of culture. And then another thing that one of my pledge brothers, Anthony Donato, told me, said, if you get 1% better every day, It'll only take 100 days for you to be twice as good. And we're looking for guys who are willing to do that. And if you want to do that, we'll be able to help you do that. So I think you should join Alpha Sig. When you graduate from Clemson and you look back on your years at Alpha Sig, what do you think you'll, you'll remember the most in terms of its personal impact on, on you? I'll just have so many stories to share. You know, so much fun was had and so much growing was done. In terms of my impact or the impact that it had on me, I believe that anything of consequence or of importance that I accomplish uh, and any good that I might put into the world will be a result of what I learned from Alva Sig. And, um, you know, presumably I don't, you know, I don't want to be doing it alone. I want to be being successful and creating good in the world with my brothers. And I think that that's what Alva Sig has really let me to do and um, will allow me to do in the future. Chad Frick, the president of Alpha Sig for the 2021 school year. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast interview. I think you guys are extraordinary. I hope your parents listen to this. They should be extremely proud of you because you are the kind of, of leader and college fraternity president that we need more of. And I, I think Greek life across the nation would be a much better place if fraternities had, had the kind of man that you are at the helm. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank on this on this episode of the Anthony Bradley Show. Uh, thank you again, everyone else, for joining us. Thank you for all my Patreon supporters for supporting the podcast, your faithfulness to making contributions to the production of this allows this podcast to do the things that it does. And I would just want to give a shout out to all of you uh, supporters out there. Thanks so much for joining us today. We will see you next time on the Anthony Bradley Show. Mm-hmm.